Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us before we begin this morning. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to, to sing and to worship and to praise your name. For the opportunity to pray, Lord. And Father, I just ask you as we move into a time now of, of opening the truth of your word, you would just speak very clearly to us. Father, I pray this wouldn't be a time that we worry about all the things to come or all the difficulties in our life. I pray this would be a time we can focus completely on you and your word and your truth. And I pray that as we do that, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would transform us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning, if I could, by, by reading a passage of Scripture from the book of Exodus. I don't want you to turn with me. I just want you to listen. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Now, they've already left Egypt. The Lord has brought them into the wilderness. He's moving them. He's directing their path. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. So Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? <laughs> then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered to Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled against the Lord. They tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Isn't it interesting that even when the Lord gives us everything we need, we still find ways to complain and grumble? <laughs> it's kind of human nature, isn't it? I look at my own life and I say what so many of you would say. I'm a very blessed man. I've got, I've got a beautiful family. We are part of an amazing church. God has given us nice things. We could all say those types of things. But it's amazing to me, even in the midst of all that, how I'm able to grumble and complain. Sometimes I think we forget about the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes I think we forget about all He's done for us and all that He's given us. And sometimes I think we fail to be thankful. And so we set aside this week, right, to remember we set aside this week to spend time with our family, to spend time with our friends, to sit down to a, a great meal, whether that's Wednesday night or Thursday or Friday. Or I talked to a couple this morning said they have two lunches at the same time on Thanksgiving, right? Sometimes scheduling is an issue too. 
We have a chance, though, to sit down with those that we care the most about in this world, and we have a chance to be thankful. But even in the midst of all that the Lord has done for us, even in the midst of all that the Lord has given us, I wonder if we can find true contentment only in the Lord. And so I want to think about the idea of true contentment this morning, and I want to do it as we always do by examining Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now as you're flipping over to Philippians, you like that? Two of you got it. Thank you very much. You're turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I want to remind you of Paul. Paul was a man who grew up as a Jew. He was devout. He was educated. And he made it his life's purpose to destroy Christianity. So he would seek out Christians and he would arrest them. He would stone them. He would kill them as possible. His desire was kind of snuff out Christianity wherever he could find it. Now, the Lord did an amazing work in Paul's heart, as many of you know, on the road to Damascus. The Lord literally opened his eyes. He saw the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He expressed profession of faith in Christ Jesus, and the Lord changed him forever. Now, after that moment, Paul made it his life's mission to do what? Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's kind of a 180 for him. And so he traveled all the world teaching and preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. But there's an interesting kind of footnote to Paul's life, and I think it's something many of us need to understand. When Paul accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world, life for Paul became very difficult. Paul was, if you were to read through the New Testament, you would realize he was beaten, he was stoned, He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. And even as he writes this epistle to the church at Philippi, he's waiting execution in Rome. See, I think sometimes for far too many of us, we believe if we'll just accept Christ and do what he calls us to do, everything will be easy. That's not always the case. Sometimes the devil is going to do everything he can to keep us from following the will of the Lord. But if there's one man in history that could talk about contentment in the midst of difficulty, it's the Apostle Paul. Because he had been there, he had done that, he understood exactly what it meant to be content regardless of the circumstances. So let's take a look this morning, if we would, in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to study verses 10 through 13. I think we have them on the screen as well. Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 10, the words of Paul. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Speaking to the church at Philippi, the people who had supported him, who had loved him, who had prayed for him, who had sent him financial things to support his ministry. I rejoice that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And if you're taking notes, you ought to underline that passage of Scripture. Those are words to live by. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, there's some truth we see in this passage of Scripture that I want you to understand this morning related to contentment. 
And here's the first truth I want you to write down and understand in Paul's words. Number one, contentment is a process. Contentment is a process. You are not going to wake up the next morning after something bad happens, or you're not going to wake up tomorrow if you're struggling with something and just all of a sudden find contentment. Paul learns to understand and appreciate and find contentment by daily walk with the Lord in the midst of great suffering all through his life. You say, I, I understand that contentment is a process. I understand that I need to be content in the things of the Lord, but you may ask the question, why is contentment so difficult to find? I mean, why can't I just find contentment? I had a conversation right after the 930 service just a few minutes ago with a precious couple who said to me, we were just having this conversation last night. We were just saying, why can't we be content with the things that we have? Why why can't we find contentment in who we are now and in all the Lord has done for us? I'll tell you why it's very difficult to find contentment. Because we're surrounded by a world that does not want us to be content with the things we have. You say, how do you you figure that? What do you mean they don't want us to be content with the things we have? Well, think about this just for a moment with me. Everywhere you turn, whether it's television or radio or internet or magazine or newspaper, somebody is trying to convince you that what you have is not good enough, so you need to come into their store and buy what they have because it's better. So they say things like this to you, the food that you're cooking at home is not good enough. (laughs) You need to come in our restaurant and eat because the food's a lot better. I mean, I went to Longhorn last week, and I, I joked with the other services, we don't go to Longhorn a lot, so when we go, we really enjoy it, right? <laughs> Four kids, you don't go to Longhorn. We go to Burger King quite often. We may see you in there. But if you've noticed the trend in restaurants these last few years, when you open up the menu, the menu isn't just printed words anymore. Have you noticed that? It's pictures. So they've got kind of the old school menu, blah, with the words that are boring that nobody wants to And then they've got the nice fold-out thing that takes up the whole booth. You know, it's so big, it folds out and all, and it's laminated, and it's colorful, and it's beautiful. And you think, I really do need a 25-ounce ribeye, honey. I just didn't know I needed it, right? And they, they, they take these menus, and they put the, the most expensive items on the menu. They don't put the little cheap $2 appetizer, do they? They don't want you to buy the cheap appetizer. They want you to buy that. But what they really want you to buy is the nice prime rib or the filet. And so they doctor it up on the picture and it's steaming and it's hot and it's beautiful. Why? Because they want you to understand the food they've got is way better than any other food you can find. And the food you're cooking at home is just not good enough. Leave all that in the fridge and come eat in our restaurant, right? Don't be content with what you have. Come eat what we have. Or they say something like this. You know that shirt that you're wearing? Now, ladies, I'm, I'm talking to you for just a minute, so forgive me. You know the shirt you're wearing? Even though it's in good repair, nothing wrong with it, it's not good enough because it's last year's fashion. And so you're going to have to take your entire wardrobe, you're going to have to throw it out because it's not good enough anymore, right? You need to come into our store and you need to buy all the things that we offer you because all the things we offer you are so much better than what you already have at home. Quit looking at each other. I see y'all looking at y'all looking and kind of... We don't want to be content with what we have. We want to get new stuff, don't we? We're not content doing our shopping on Friday anymore. Have you noticed the trend there? Right? After Thanksgiving? 
We're not content on Friday anymore. So it used to be that it was like 6 a.m. on Friday, right? Super early. Well, that wasn't good enough. Then it was 4 a.m. That wasn't good enough. Now it's 3 a.m. That wasn't good enough. Now what is it? It's Thursday night now, right? We, we live in a world that just showers upon us moment after moment after moment, day after day, that what we have isn't good enough. It's hard to be content when you live in a society that screams at you, you need more, more, more. Here's what you're never going to hear from an advertiser in our world. You don't need any of our stuff. Your stuff is just fine. So I want to give you what I believe are three very quick suggestions. They're going to help you understand the process of contentment. Here's the first one, number one. Recognize that everything you have is a gift from the Lord to be used for His glory. If you want to walk through this process of finding contentment regardless of the circumstances, you need to understand that everything the Lord has given you is a gift and He wants to use it for your glory, for His glory. See, the Lord doesn't give us all this nice stuff so we can kind of hoard it up ourselves and only be happy. The Lord gives it to us so we can bless others. So the Lord says, I've given you this nice job. I've given you this great family. I've given you this, these possessions. I've given you this wonderful life. So you can take these things and use them for my glory. So we begin to ask ourselves the question, how can I take my job and use it for the glory of the Lord? How can I use my possessions for His glory? How can I use my family to bring Him glory? Paul says that contentment is a process. But unless we're recognizing all the Lord has done for us and all the Lord has given us, we're not going to understand true contentment. Here's the second thing you can do in this process of contentment. Number two, give more of yourself. Isaiah 58, 10 and 11, one of, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I want you to listen to what it says. That whole chapter, Isaiah 58, is incredible. But 10 and 11 say this, If you spend yourselves, he's talking to believers, If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. So if we're going to understand contentment, we need to give of ourselves more and more and more. And our church has provided all sorts of opportunities next year for you to go. Some of you have already signed up. Some of you are praying to go. But some of you say something like this, you know, I just can't, I can't go for whatever reason work or or finances. There's something in my life that's hindering me from going. Let me just encourage you. I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to get on an airplane to be a missionary. You don't have to fly somewhere else, even drive anywhere else to share your faith in Christ. So you can walk across the street and love people in the name of Jesus. You can walk across your hallway at work and demonstrate the love of Christ. You can give of yourself right where you are. But here's the interesting thing that begins to happen. As we give ourselves to those that are less fortunate or those that don't have the things that we have, we begin to become more content with what we do have, don't we? Lord, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for giving me these things so I can give those things to others. Thank you for providing for my family so I can help this family who can't provide for themselves to have a nice Christmas or to have a nice Thanksgiving or to pay the light bill or do whatever the Lord leads you to do. 
There's this process of becoming content, and part of it is giving ourselves away. Here's the third thing. We trust the Lord more. If you want to walk through this process of contentment, we need to continually trust the Lord more and more and more, recognizing His gifts, recognizing how He has blessed us, recognizing that He's got a plan for your life way bigger than anything you could ever hope or imagine. That was good timing right there, wasn't it? (laughs) And understand that He wants to bless you and He wants to use you and we need to trust Him more. Ray Stedman defines contentment like this, only wanting what you have. (laughs) I think that's great. So Paul says there's this process of contentment. Now here's what some of you are saying. I'm going to go ahead and answer your question. You're saying, I get that, Adam. I know that, right? I'm, I'm supposed to be content. I need to be content in the things of the Lord. But here's what you would say. You just don't know my circumstances right now. I'm really struggling with some things. There's a situation at work that's very difficult for me right now. Or I'm having this problem at home or, or with my spouse or with my children. Or the, there's this issue that I'm dealing with locally. You just, you, if you just knew what I was going through, Adam, if I can, if I can just kind of correct the circumstances, if I can just kind of fix these problems first, then I can begin to work on contentment. Listen to what Paul says again in verse 11. Bring that back up if you would, please, for me. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. Right? There's the process. There's this sense of learning to be content. It's the process of trusting and trusting in the Lord more. But listen how he ends the verse. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. See, here's truth number two. Contentment is possible in every circumstance. And some of you need to hear that this morning. Because I can promise you in a church this size with three services and all the different people we have coming and going, there are people this morning that came to church in a situation where they're having a hard time finding contentment. Maybe that's you. You say, I'm really struggling right now with what the Lord's called me to do. I'm really struggling with where I am and I've prayed through it and thought through it, but I'm just not able to find contentment because the circumstances around me are so bad. You need to understand, Paul says, you can learn to be content regardless of the circumstance. Now Paul's given us some interesting things there in verse 12. I want you to look at them with me if you would. Stephen, bring that up please if you would. Listen to the words of Paul in verse 12. He kind of contrasts the good and the bad of where he's been and the things that he's dealt with. I know what it is to be in need. Right? That's kind of a bad thing. And I know what it is to have plenty. Well, that's a good thing. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, that's a good thing, or hungry, that's a bad thing. Whether living in plenty, that's a good thing, or in wealth, that's a bad thing. There's this, there's this contrast here. There's this contrast, Paul says, I've learned to be happy and content regardless of the good things, regardless of the bad things, regardless of the situation, I can be content in the things of the Lord. I've learned to be content. We have the opportunity when we do this mission work to see lots of children, and that's one of my favorite parts about going on these mission trips, is to see these precious little children. And we go to Guatemala spring break. Some of you have been, some of you have gone to Zambia, some have been to Romania. It's the same sort of thing, Alaska. In Guatemala, in this little village, this very remote village we go to, when we show up at that church and we do some sort of a craft or a game or sing a song, literally hundreds of children will come out of the, out of the jungle. You, you guys that have been there have seen that. 
Literally hundreds of children will come out of the jungle and they'll kind of assemble there in that church and they'll give us the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. But the, the amazing thing to me is I look at these precious little children and I begin to notice where they live and I begin to notice kind of their, their home life and they live in just huts, right? Dirt floors and, and bamboo walls and tin roofs and they don't have anything. Abject poverty. Two to three dollars a day is what their families are living on. But I, I look at these children... And the thing that always kind of blows me away is they just seem happy. They seem happy and content. And I think, how in the world could they be so poor and live in such terrible circumstances and be happy? And yet I come home to America where we have all sorts of things, everything we could possibly need, and there's so many people that are not content. Why is that the case? I think there are probably a couple of reasons. One is, is these people really don't know any better. They don't understand what the world's like. They don't have access like we do to other parts of the world and to see and to hear and to understand. But I I think there's something even bigger at play than that. I think you kind of come to a point in your life where you're struggling or maybe you're living in poverty and you don't have a lot when the Lord simply provides the things that you need, food and water and shelter. Everything else is just kind of gravy, right? (laughs) I mean, Lord, we're still alive. They say in third world countries, the two questions every person asks when they wake up are, what am I going to eat today and what am I going to drink? Where am I going to get food? Where am I going to get water? Those are the two questions. When's the last time you woke up and asked those two questions? See, I think sometimes we, we, we need to look at people that have a lot less than us and understand, you know, their needs are met. They have food and they have water and they have shelter and so they're able to find contentment. And so many of us, myself included, have so many other things and sometimes we gripe and complain about not having enough. Philippians chapter 4, just earlier in the same verse, Paul has said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul says we need to trust in the Lord. We need to pray to the Lord. We need to be thankful to the Lord and present our requests. And no matter the circumstances, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. But Paul gives us this interesting interesting little phrase in verse 12. Let's look at that again together if we would. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the, what's the word? Secret of being content in any and every situation. We, we love secrets, don't we? And we really love secrets that are going to get us to a better place in life, don't we? If you don't believe people love secrets about how to better themselves, just go in a bookstore or go on Amazon.com and search self-help books. Everybody's got the secret to success, don't they? Secret of making more money, secret of a better lifestyle, secret of being happy. Everybody's got this secret. Paul says, I've got the secret to being content. And at this moment, we all ought to all be sitting kind of on the edge of our seats. Great, Paul, what is the secret to being content in every circumstance? Look at verse 13, very simply. Paul says in Philippians 4, chapter 13, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Here's the secret. It's the third truth I want to show you this morning. Contentment can only be found through Christ. Contentment can only be found through Christ. 
through Christ. Now I know, even as I say that, and even as I read that, some of you are thinking, yeah, <laughs> right, duh. I had, to, I had to sit through an entire service for you to tell me something that I already know. I, I bet if I went to every person in this congregation and said, is it true that real contentment can only be found through Christ? Every person would say, absolutely. I bet if I would asked you before we started this sermon, where do you find true contentment? Everybody would say something like, it's only found in the things of the Lord, only the things of Christ. We all know this, don't we? I didn't tell you anything you don't know, but knowing it and living it are vastly different, and that's where we struggle, isn't it? We can talk about it all day long, but are you truly content in the things of the Lord? Are you truly content in your walk with Him? Are you willing to set aside other things in the world in favor of following Christ? Are you willing to set aside the difficult circumstances you may face and instead say, Lord, I, I know I'm struggling with these things, but I trust you enough. I trust you that even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. Why? Because you're with me. You give me strength and you give me courage and you give me the ability, Lord, to find true contentment regardless of the circumstances. You know, we live in a world that tries to convince us that contentment can only be found in things. We live in a world that tries to convince us if you want to be happy, just get more. <laughs> get a bigger this or a faster this or more of that. If you can just do these things, everything's going to be fine. But we understand, every one of us, that those promises are hollow, aren't they? There's no real hope and joy in those things. The only contentment we're going to find, the only peace we're going to find, the only hope we're going to find is when we allow Christ to be the center of everything that we do. Paul says, it doesn't matter that I'm hungry, I'm still content. It doesn't matter that I'm beaten, I'm still content. It doesn't matter that I'm in need, I'm still content. Doesn't matter that I'm hurting, I'm still content. Maybe for us it'd be something like this. It doesn't matter that work is terrible, I'm still going to be content. It doesn't matter that things at home aren't as they should be, I'm still going to be content. It doesn't matter that people treat me unfairly or I don't have the things that I wish I had, I'm still going to be content. Because Paul tells us there's this process you're going to have to walk through. There's these difficulties you're going to you're going to see in your life and you're going to experience on a regular basis. But the question we have to ask ourselves is very simple. We do it at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, all through the year. Are we going to try to find contentment in all the things of the world? Or are we going to find contentment in the only place where it can truly be found in Christ Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's clear and understandable, Father. We thank you that you have shown us just a, a very simple path to contentment, Lord. It's not about the things of the world. It's not about our jobs. It's not about the friends we have or all the things we possess. And we understand that you've given us those things to use for your honor and glory, but that true contentment only comes in a relationship with you. Everything else is hollow. Everything else is shallow. Everything else lacks true joy and hope and peace. 
And so, Father, I pray you just speak to us this morning. I pray you would impress upon our hearts the importance of seeking you in all things. And I pray that we find true contentment in Christ for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity for the next couple of minutes to come and pray at the altar. Maybe you need to pray about something you're dealing with or somebody else is dealing with in your life. Maybe you want to repent of your sins and accept Christ. Maybe you want to join this church. But this is your time to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.